In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for you in the Scripture and in the sacrament. Amen. It's not every day we hear from the book of the prophet Baruch at Mass. In fact, the only other time Baruch is read is at the Easter Vigil, and even then, it's only one of many options. So, we should start this setup with a bit of background on Baruch. Baruch was sort of like the prophet Jeremiah's administrative assistant. So, the book of Baruch is a collection of four different works in the style of Jeremiah. The very beginning of the book tells us that Baruch is reading the scroll to the exiles in Babylon who are displaced from Jerusalem. And in our specific excerpt at Mass, Baruch is speaking directly to Jerusalem, the city. The very first words are, Jerusalem, take off your robe of mourning. That's a good segue, actually, because in speaking to Jerusalem, Baruch is telling the city to do two things, really. First, take off their robe of mourning. And second, up Jerusalem, stand upon the heights, look to the east and see. Why should Jerusalem look east? Because from there, from the land of Babylon, the exiles will be returning. Baruch is saying that Jerusalem needs to be ready because the exiles are coming back from the land of the east, and as they do, God is going to level the ground for their passage. You may remember that back on the second Sunday of Advent last year, Isaiah said something very similar. When the exiles return, God's going to level the ground. Well, same thing here. It's sort of like when a new highway is being constructed. The ground has to be made level for the cars to most easily drive through. As Baruch himself says, For God has commanded that every lofty mountain be made low, and that the age-old depths and forges be filled to level ground, that Israel may advance secure in the glory of God. How many times have you received an email and the top of the message says, I hope this email finds you well? It's something of a standard greeting, right? Well, in the days of St. Paul, it was customary to include a note of thanksgiving at the start of a letter. And that's what our second reading is this weekend. It's St. Paul's section of thanksgiving to and for the Philippians. He's thanking God for their partnership in the gospel. And some contend that Paul is thinking specifically of how the Philippians provided for his financial needs. But it's more likely that Paul has a wider understanding of this partnership or koinonia in Greek. The Philippians have been assisting him in spreading the gospel message in more ways than simply giving him money. And for that, he is confident that this good work will continue until the day of Christ Jesus. Interestingly enough, Paul also prays that the Philippians may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. This word pure in Greek is a combination of two words, one describing the shining of the sun and the other for judging. So the being pure is actually using the sun's light to judge. This was common at the time as people would hold wine up to the light to test its purity. And if you think about it, we still kind of do that today too. Think about when you take a glass of water from the tap and then hold it up to the light to see how clear it is. That's the sort of purity that Paul is praying the Philippians will have on the day of Christ. Finally, our gospel begins a bit like a movie scene, which begins at a wide angle and zooms in bit by bit until settling upon the subject. Luke begins with Tiberius Caesar of the great Roman Empire and then gradually decreases his scope bit by bit until arriving at John in the desert. But curiously enough, he says that John begins preaching during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas. This is strange because there can only be one high priest at a time, just as there can only be one president of the United States. So why does Luke mention two high priests? Well, it's likely because although the high priest Annas was deposed as high priest around the year 15 by the Romans, or in other words, was voted off the island like in that show Survivor, 
He still was alive at the time of Jesus, and in fact, was probably still very powerful. You remember from John's gospel that after Jesus is arrested in the garden, he's sent to Annas first, and then after his interrogation, he's sent to Caiaphas. The introduction of John here follows the typical structure of what we see throughout the Old Testament when a prophet is introduced. It has the following five characteristics. One, it says, the word of the Lord came to. Two, then the prophet is named. Three, then the name of the prophet's father is given. Four, it says where this call occurred. And finally, five, it gives when this occurred, more or less. Now, at the time, people obviously didn't count the years since Jesus' birth as we do today, because he wasn't much known at the time. So people counted years based upon one of two things, either the number of years into the reign of a certain king or the number of years since the founding of Rome. Luke chooses the first option, and we see that clearly in the beginning of our gospel passage, which starts in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar. So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for the second Sunday of Advent in year C. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.